It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Great Mondays Radio. I am so excited. Today to have my old friend Candace Nichols on the the show with us today. She is uh, someone who I have um, worked with, been admired in her work. She's the SVP, the Senior Vice President of People at Snagajob.com, and I'm just so pleased that you were able to make some time to to come in and share some of your hard earned culture wisdom with with my audience. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I love talking about this kind of thing. So I cannot wait to dive into this with you. Awesome. Great. So just so we have a little bit of context, can you tell me a little bit, Snag a Job, I think is not the household name. Um, tell me a little bit about um, what it is or tell us a little about what it is and uh, your kind of journey inside because you've been with the company for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So Snag a Job is the country's largest marketplace for hourly work. I think some people hear our name and think we're a staffing company, and we're not. We build technology solutions to bring hourly workers and hourly employers together in a way that's much more seamless, removes a lot of the friction. I think especially over the last few years, when we've all kind of realized that hourly workers are the backbone of our economy. We right. really want to make sure the segment of the population is uh, getting the attention that they deserve. Uh, and so that's a big reason why I joined Snag a Job 12 years ago. I really wanted to work for a company that was mission oriented, you know, helping people find work was something that was near and dear to my heart. I joined Snag a Job as a technical recruiter. And so being part of an organization whose entire mission was to help people find the right job for them was incredibly appealing. And frankly, one of the reasons I came to Snag a Job was not because I was looking to leave my last company, but because I wanted to work for Snag a Job because of the reputation the company culture had. Uh, you know, we would see Snag a Job at corporate events and everyone just looked like they were having a great time with each other. And then as I learned more and more about what the company did, I knew that that was something I wanted to be a part of. So you've been there for 12 years. You started as a technical recruiter. Now you're senior vice president of people. You're one of the longest tenured people there. I think I'm making that uh, a good assumption there. Um, was it so you were aware of the culture? That was one of the reasons that you showed up. Is that the like is, is did you become aware of the importance of culture? Was there a moment when you became aware of the importance of culture, whether it was before or after you joined Snag a Job? What was that moment? What kind of opened your eyes to that? Like, oh my gosh, this is a critical business skill. This is something that's really important. It's such a great question. I think I really realized it at the company I was with prior to Snag a Job. It was the first company I worked at where people genuinely enjoyed working with each other and that resulted in better business outcomes. And so I think what I started to see was that the environment that this company was fostering was actually making our work product better. And 
you know, when I saw the, the mission of Snag a Job and then saw all of these components of culture that was then driving forward that mission, how people worked together, uh, how proud they were of the work that they were doing, the camaraderie that they had together, you know, I, I made the jump to there. Not again, because some, anything was wrong with my last company. I thought they were doing this really well, but having that then with a really compelling mission on top of that, uh, you know, seemed like the perfect fit for me. I've been here 12 years. So hopefully yeah. that says something. <laughs> yeah. And so you've been at Snag a Job through a lot of changes, a lot of positive and a lot of challenging things that have happened. Can you talk us through a little bit about some of the arcs and some of the more, um, I think, uh, Culture is culture is great when things are going well, right? I thought I saw someone I saw someone tweet um, when uh, when interest rates started increasing and um, tech started having challenges. Someone tweeted that the um, turns out technology employees um, have learned that they have confused um, a good culture with a high stock price. Oh, right? that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, totally. So for you. Um, I think what's most, I mean, I think what, what I want to know is the, the moments of cha the challenging moments, whether it's a reduction in force or limiting budgets or how have you coped with that and, and used and leaned into culture in order to manage some of those difficult times. Don't people just get pissed off and like culture goes out the window? You would yes, think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would think so. I think for us, you know, it, we have probably been four different companies in the in the time that I have been here. Uh, and when I look back at even just the last few years, I think it's a perfect example of, you know, why culture has made a difference for us. Because if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if I thought Snag a Job could be successful in a fully distributed team, I would have said, absolutely not. You know, we really relied upon that in-person connection. We, we have a two-story slide in our physical office in Richmond, right. Virginia. We do things like Office Olympics, you know, it's all very centered around like being together. How does that then translate as we look to expand? And so we saw some of these kind of hiccups with company culture as we started to open different offices across the country. You know, if someone was in one office, but the rest of their team was in another, were they getting the same kinds of information? And so when, when COVID hit, we really leaned into our mission. We leaned into our core values, which are solidarity, candor, unconvention, and fire. And I'll talk about how those actually showed up for us when we were looking to make this change. We're also in the business of, of hourly work. So when you think about March of 2020, hourly work was shutting down. You know, we saw millions of hourly workers displaced almost overnight. And so not only for us as a business, do we have to contend with keeping our internal employees safe? We had to think about what was happening externally in the business. And so for us, we took a, st a step back and thought, okay, like our company culture isn't us being in the same physical building. It's okay. How are we making the best decisions for the business? That's solidarity. How are we being honest and transparent and communicating the right amount of information. That's candor. How are we just figuring things out that we have never had to solve before? That's unconvention. And how are we you know, doing it together to drive this mission forward? That's fire. And so I remember having a town hall on Thursday when everything was kind of shutting down as part of COVID. We had no idea what was gonna happen. And we were like, you know what? Hashtag solidarity. We are in this together. 
hashtag unconvention. We're just going to figure this out. We're going to try stuff along the way and see what works. And by leaning into that value of candor, after that, we were very, very transparent with the entire company. We communicated more than twice a week about what we were seeing in the marketplace, how we were pivoting the business to make sure we were adapting to take care of hourly workers who found themselves out of a job suddenly. How are we helping kind of essential uh, employers find the workers that they needed? And so really leaning into what actually our, our culture actually was, that commitment to our mission and this kind of commitment to a shared set of behaviors that drove us to that mission, mm. we were able to quickly, you know, very quickly, more so than I would have expected, adapt and figure out how to do all of this online. Now, that being said, we are a tech company. The last couple of years have also raised some challenges for us. And so I think like a lot of technical companies, we were not immune to some of uh, the market fluctuations in the past year. And so we did find ourselves in a position where we had to do a couple of rounds of layoffs. And so we went back to that set of core values to say, how do we make sure we're answering people's questions? We put together a list of kind of FAQs that we shared out with the company so people would know how we had to come to this decision. Uh, we pulled everybody together for an all hands. We encouraged people to bring their questions. Uh, and so even in December, we had to have a second round. Unfortunately, it was really, really important for us to talk about what we were changing in the business to get people's input on how they could make things better, to give people time to process. And again, leaning on those values of like, we know we're in this together and you know, making those tough decisions in a company like ours is so incredibly hard because people here are very connected. Fast forward to four or five months from that, we just got our engagement survey results back and you know, our engagement scores are in the, uh, are above 75%. Again, again, I think because we're really leaning into those values and making sure yeah. people understand how we're making these decisions. Like company culture isn't us all being in the same building. It's about trusting the message and aligning to make sure we're all moving in the same direction. Now, when you're making these decisions and you you sort of called out, you're like hashtag solidarity, like every time that you are calling people together, you are, you know, talking about a layoff, you are making hard decisions. Are you uh, explicitly connecting those? Like, do you verbalize that to, uh, to the to the values? And it's one thing if, if you're doing it, are other people doing it as well? Other leaders? Yeah, you know, back when in the town hall that I mentioned around COVID, so going back to that one, we did. We stood up in the company and we're like, hashtag solidarity, we're, gonna, we're all on this together, like hashtag unconvention. We're yeah. not gonna, we're not sure what's gonna happen, but we're gonna figure it out. We yeah. weren't that explicit in the layoffs because it felt a little cheeky to do yeah. it in that way. Okay. But I think what we have found is that our leaders have demonstrated those values through their actions. And so people knew that we were going to give them transparent information. They knew that we were gonna help them figure out mm. the, the next steps going forward when it came into leaning to that unconvention. Um, and I think having that genuine emotion and vulnerability from leadership too as part of this yeah. really helped um I mean it was it was a difficult conversation don't get me wrong but I think people knew that we didn't take a decision like this lightly because we have built up trust over the years through yeah. that kind of transparent series of communications uh, when I'm hearing you talk about having to confront difficult moments, 
it sounds to me like one of the the ways that you've done that is with your values, but it's not, yes, you're talking about them, but you've established an expectation maybe around how you can expect the organization to behave. Mm-hmm. And that has set up kind of a conceptual framework or something for people to, to be able to articulate that. And so it feels more consistent or authentic. I don't know. I'm just kind of reading that. I'm just reflecting what I'm hearing. Yeah. I think one of the things that has made that so important was even again, going back to the beginning of COVID where we took a look at some of like the quote unquote rituals that were really important to snag a job. How do we make sure we've got our weekly kind of performance meetings that we're doing with the company, making sure we're continuing our monthly town halls that are more kind of recognition, celebratory, Mm -hmm. keeping our weekly tech talks and engineering, all of those things, I think told the company, this this communication matters to us and we want you to know what's going on. And Mm -hmm. even when things got, you know, better after kind of that first wave of COVID, keeping those things up so people again, understood how they had that message that and I think those rituals too are also what made it easier for us to make the transition from in person to virtual because we were saying like hey we're going to keep this business continuity going through these things that we've already sort of established as important cultural markers for us and so actually Mm -hmm. really leaning into them when we weren't all physically together anymore I think actually reinforced our company culture versus um I think I have heard you reference it as like relationship decay. Yeah. Uh, and we we didn't experience that because we kept some of those things that were really important. And we were also very intentional about leaning into what was working with what we with even who we were hiring during that time and making sure we revamped mm. our interview process so people would have different connection points along the way. And even once people got onboarded, building those connection points. So they knew through all of this experience that they'd had with our regular communication channels, that when we had to deliver bad news, we have given it a lot of thought. We were going to make sure that we were communicating it in a way that resonated with our previous communication style. Yeah. I'm giving very long answers. No, no, it's great. This is great. (laughs) This is great. Um, you have a unique position, uh, it, I think, in your organization in that as SVP of people, you are in touch with and understand and can connect with, know what's going on with um, the employees, you know, from recent, you know, recent hires to veterans, but you also have exposure to the C-suite. And I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, content out there about how to onboard employees, but you've recently, the company has recently gone through some leadership changes, some executive changes. Have you, how have you, because I know culture is important to you, um, or maybe, I don't know if it's uh, blasphemous to say, but like onboarded new executives, new leadership into the culture, because often they might come in and say, you've hired me because I'm going to, this is my way of doing things. What, what has that situation been like? Have you succeeded in the way that you wanted? And, you know, where have, if you have come up short or where, where would you do it different? Maybe. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I would actually maybe even bring that back to some of our 
interview, our entire interview process revamped that we've done through positions across the organization. Okay. A couple couple of years ago, my team and I really like took a step back to make sure that our interview process was reflective of our company culture because we are pretty unique and we wanted to make sure people knew what they were getting into right off the bat Mm -hmm. with us. So even starting at what do we actually need this person to do? How do we truly define what this role, not what has always worked before, but what do we actually want this role to do? How do we then um, figure out the right kind of questions and panel to ask? We made sure we brought in cross-functional peers for every position. I interview everybody that we hire. We have our ERG leaders as an op- as an option for people to meet with as part of our interviews, including our new executives. They were offered this as well. And so I think for us, making sure that every single single step of the process reflected mm. um, transparency in who we were. If you read our job descriptions, they're pretty unique. We uh, started listing our salary ranges for all positions a couple of years ago because we thought pay transparency was really important to pay equity. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, again, really making sure people understood like DEI is a critical component of who we are. Mm-hmm. Our core values are in our job descriptions. They're reiterated through that interview process. And that carried into how we were hiring for executives. And so for us, our, our interview process for regular staff members is long. It's even longer for executives. And so... Uh, They spend a ton of time with leadership. They spend time with the board. They spend a ton of time with me and the rest of the executives. And they also get to meet with people on their team. So we really try to make sure people understand kind of what they're getting into with our company culture when they join. And so we want people to come in and shake things up. That's why we bring in people from the outside. We've also had a lot of internal people promoted into our executive Mm -hmm. team recently. Um, But we still want them to understand like this is, who snag a job is in our DNA and setting that expectation right off the bat that we expect you to be collaborative. We, you're going to have to make decisions that are best for the business, not best for your pocketbook. You're going to have to speak uh, in a way to your team that really is transparent, but then also is motivating. How do you balance that? How do you push people to try new things? And if they don't work, you celebrate that, you learn from it and you move on. Um, It's really making sure we're sussing that out as part of that interview process that makes onboarding that much easier because Mm -hmm. we don't have to set the tone. Yeah, we don't have to set the tone for company culture because they've already gotten that. It's just a matter of, you know, the in the weeds, tactical things that they've got to get up to speed on about the business versus what kind of company am I stepping into? It almost seems uh, too obvious now that you've said it. Right. Like, of course, that's what you should be doing. Right. You're not just hiring for a competency. And I've seen people talk about um, even hiring, putting more emphasis on the uh, capacity to align with or add to the culture in the right way. And that way, there's no harm, no foul if it doesn't work. And so it's making it very apparent. And that is really critical for uh, for leaders as much as anybody, even more. And so I think that's a really amazing way to, 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 to think about that. Very cool. I, the other thing that, that I like to learn from, we've talked about some of your failures, 
um, not failures, but some of the challenging moments. And I like to ask about stories where culture, you have a tribe of something and, and culture has, it didn't work or it did work and there was a big win and what we can learn from it. Do you have a story or two on either side of the, of the spectrum of either we went big on this, it didn't work, this is what I learned, I, I would do it this way, or we, you know, leaned into this, did some experimentation, it's now core to like what we do. I don't know, something in that realm. Yeah, I think going back to one of the things that has worked, that that revamped interview process has really been a game changer for us. It seems so simple, mm. but setting that expectation at the very beginning of what people are in for when they join Snack a Job is really important. And it's been a, a huge game changer for us. Uh, adding our adding our employee resource groups to that interview process and allowing people to kind of pick if they want to enter, if they want to meet with any of them. Again, it's that tone of like, this is inclusion, something that matters to us. We want you to learn from people who are living it, of, of you know, how it feels to work at Snag a Job. And I think because we've been able to lean into that when we've been hiring remotely, we've been able to bring people on that we never would have been able to hire before um, because we have a value prop around company culture that's not just around, um, hey, if you come here, you get to work on this cool thing, you're gonna get a fair salary. You're also gonna get to work with these amazing people that you've met through the process. And guess what? They're not just faking it for the interview, they're like this in real life. And so I think for us, going all the way back to even how we talk about ourselves and then how we all the way to how we make those decisions has been just a huge differentiator for us. Um, I was thinking a little bit about some, some things that maybe haven't always gone so well. And I remember probably the first time we really tried to kick off some DEI initiatives was 2016 or 2017. It was um, at a company kickoff. We'd been looking at some internal data around kind of demographics uh, and realized we had some work to do to better reflect composition of of the workforce that we were trying to hire. And I stood up in front of the company at our company kickoff and I talked about this and I was like, look at these numbers. He's like, make me want to puke. And I like, that's actually what I said. I would not recommend doing that. Um, and do yeah, not recommend. Yeah, don't recommend telling your team that data makes you want to puke. Um, but I didn't really dive into the why this matters. Why is this something we should be thinking about? Uh, it was purely based on the optics of like how things look. And so a lot of people were like, wait a minute, like I am not understanding this. Like, why are we do? like, why is this matter? Why should we be focusing attention on this? And so our initial efforts were pretty slow to get started. And then they just sort of stalled because we Mm -hmm. hadn't done a good job. I specifically hadn't done a good job of saying like, we need to take a step back and make sure that we are reflective of the people that we're representing as a business, that we're reflective of the people that we want to hire. Here's how companies perform when it comes to this. And so Mm -hmm. on paper, it feels like, of course, this is something we should be doing. But in reality, we, we needed to do a better job of explaining like, this is why this matters to us in particular as a business. Right, 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 right. So, and I've I've listened to um, a few pieces, a few people talking now um, that are essentially discussing or criticizing or um, reflecting that, hey, everybody in 2020, after George George Floyd, there was this national wave of, you know, we're going to commit to do this. But now you see all this fall off, particularly in tension with um, layoffs. Yeah. And so some of those people first in, first out, or last in, first out, and some of those folks are the ones to go. And so 
I think what you're talking about is also indicative of the staying power, right? You told a story of how there's a fall off because what was my why? Why did I care? Because I have all this other th- other things I have to put my energy towards. And so if you're like, hey, this is, if you're describing why specifically for us, not just it's a good idea for the world if we do this, which it is, that's fine. It's shown that it improves bottom line and all that stuff, but making it personal and connecting is really, really compelling. Yeah. And we've seen it, you know, since we have since revamped our initiatives, we've made our ERG leaders paid positions in the company. Uh, We continue to use those for connection, especially through COVID, making sure people had a group uh, that they could talk to just if something was on their mind. Um, We continue to have them as part of our interview process. Now we continue to leverage them for a lot of connection in this space. And again, on our most recent engagement survey, when we had a question around, I feel like I belong at Snag a Job, it was almost 90% favorability. And does everybody join an ERG? What's the percentage of folks that are joining employee resource groups? Mm, that's a good question. We you have, can say, I don't know, and we'll put it, we'll put I the answer know. in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. We have our ERGs are open to everyone, whether they identify as a member of that group or they are interested in being an ally to that group. Uh, we right. have some programs that are sometimes designed for members of that group specifically. All of our ERGs have executive sponsors, though, to make sure okay. that they're able to uh, have an advocate on our executive team who can help them get resources or find external speakers or uh, brainstorm new ideas about approaching things. I would say, gosh, I don't know. All of our ERGs are pretty heavily uh, utilized anytime. We've got a pretty tight knit group here. So I think if uh, a group is hosting something, I don't know exactly the participation, but they're always really well attended. Are there any, this is my kind of wrap up kind of question or starting to land the plane here, which is uh, future initiatives, ERG related or not. I mean, I'm, I've been talking a lot about ERGs as an opportunity to rebuild that culture debt that many organizations have incurred, right? Because they haven't invested in culture. ERGs is a great way to, you know, build and strengthen relationships, trust, psychological safety. Um, it sounds like you're kind of, you got, you all are, um, have really got your ERGs working in a good, really powerful way. Are there any other um, evolutions of ERG and expanding that question? What is the next culture people thing that you are thinking about, you know, aspire to work on in the next 12 months? Yeah, I I would say, you know, as far as our ERGs go, um, this is a piece of advice maybe that I would give instead. I think it was a changer, a game changer for us when we made those paid positions and it's it's not a full-time position. Instead, what we did was figure out about how many hours a month we thought someone would need to uh, be in this role and then devised a, a salary based on that. But if we are asking these functions to add business value, we need to pay them to add that business value. We cannot expect people to give this labor for free. And I think that lends a lot of credibility to the work that we're asking them to do. So that might be one piece of advice I would give for folks if they're looking to that. truly make their ERGs like have a business impact. And I think for us going into this year, 
you know, we saw a ton last year, just when we think about like reproductive care access and how we could make sure we are showing up for our employees, but also like thinking about ways we can impact our, our uh, hourly workers. Um, coming up, it's really much more around like how do we continue to build connection and give people a space uh, without contributing to burnout, because that burnout thing is something we're, we're keeping a close eye on right now. We have a much leaner team than we did at this time last year. <laughs> right. uh, we are you know, really trying to focus on prioritization and making sure we're doing the most important actions, but we still have a finite number of people doing these things. So how are we making sure we're revamping our meeting strategy and our communication strategy to adapt to where people are at right now? So that's a big thing for us. And then mm -hmm. really thinking about career development uh, in a smaller organization. Sometimes people feel like they don't have as much opportunity to grow as in a bigger organization. So how are we continuing to lean into development plans and leadership development programs and even utilizing stay interviews to help with sort of like an individualized career coaching sort of path. So those are all things that we are working on literally right now to mm. roll out over the next six months. So uh, hopefully we can continue this conversation again after those and we can give you an update on how yes, it works. I would love it. Uh, Candice Nichols, uh, SVP of Snag a Job. You can learn more about the amazing business uh, that she's helped building snagajob.com. It is so wonderful to see you. Thank you for sharing all of your insights and wisdom. And yes, I'd love to have you back. Um, we will reconnect after you've launched those and we'll talk about what worked and what didn't and what we can learn from it. Thank you, Candice. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine, on YouTube at Great Mondays, and you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations, or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Thanks.